This is the Roaring Elephant podcast for the 29th of December 2015. A podcast about Apache Hadoop and the surrounding ecosystem for anyone working with or investigating big data. My name is Jon and here's my co-host Dave. Hi Dave. Happy Christmas Jon. Oh no, wait, Christmas it's is Merry gone. Christmas. <laughs> In that case, uh, Happy New Year for what's due to come up. Yeah, but that's still uh, a bit away, a couple of days away from now, from when you hear this, not when we record this. Indeed. It's fun indeed. talking in the future, isn't it? <laughs> yes, back to the future podcast style. Yeah, not for the future. What have you done uh, in the past? So, the uh, last couple of weeks have been quite fun-packed, actually, um, especially on the run-up to uh, the Christmas break. So, first of all, I met with uh, a telco in Europe. Um, I met actually with like, a bunch of different teams there. So, their IoT team, um, the actual uh, operating company there, um, but also we met with the the group team and the team looking to offer uh, big data as a service to their enterprise customers. So uh, a fun packed set of meetings, uh, lots of good stuff happening there. Um, and then it sort of starting to put together a couple of different webinars. So delivered one on uh, five steps to a successful big data project and uh, a second one on a mixture of Datamere and Hortonworks. Um, so, you know, a couple of different topics there. And then finally, um, a good session on NiFi, uh, really kind of deep dive session into NiFi, going through um, how to create custom processors um, and actually demonstrating some slightly more complex flows than, you know, you might normally see. So that was that was actually pretty good. Yeah, interesting you're talking about uh, corporations putting up Hadoop as a service platforms. I've seen that happen a lot recently myself. We've got one big uh, telco here that's trying to do it really for external customers, but at a corporate level, a lot of these companies installing their data lakes are also trying to have an internal Hadoop as a service platform using the data lakes. Yeah, yeah, but I, I tend to see uh, like two different approaches to this, and let me know if you see the same thing. So there are two different approaches. People are either um, they're either actually using the power of Hadoop, the Hadoop platform itself, so they're creating a single multi-tenant data lake and they're just loading everybody onto it as as that that sort of big data as a service. But the other option is people are actually spinning up multiple smaller Hadoop uh, environments, you know, separate for each uh, each customer that they're bringing on board, which. Uh, I can understand why they do the second option. It's it's because their customers are going to want you know more configurability of the individual platforms than than maybe they'll get with a single shared platform. But it just uh, it still goes against the grain a little bit. I still I'd like to see uh, you know a smaller number of larger platforms. Yeah, I definitely see both uh, both ways happening. But the one customer I have in mind here, that's a big telco doing the Hadoop as a service for its end customers. They're actually spinning up specific clusters for each uh, customer they're trying to onboard there. And it's basically a security question there. They want to have physical segregation of the data between different uh, customer installations. And I talked to them about this, and it's basically because they aren't familiar enough with the technology at the moment, and they don't have enough confidence, trust in the security level in the Hadoop at the moment. So yeah. I've I've talked we've talked about the whole the Ranger and all the Kerberos and all the policies you can install there that you can actually make it very very safe, but they're still yeah let's wait and see and what happens in the next uh, half year or something. So that's one reason I see people firing up smaller clusters for specific use cases. The other one being for just development reasons. I want to 
try something crazy, just give me a virtual machine somewhere with some Hadoop on it. That's something that happens as well, but I don't see that in the same uh, the same vein as what you were talking about. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. If you look at the big guys, the, the, the AC Insight from Azure, for example, I'm thinking that that's one big cluster, or at least maybe not one, but it definitely must have more than one tenant per cluster there, I would assume. We are talking about the HD Insight thing there. Yeah, I I would imagine that actually they're, they're spinning up um, a very similar sort of level. I would imagine they're spinning up separate instances of HD Insight. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know the underlying uh, picture there. Yeah, I would assume it's a waste of resources to really pitch us, uh, put up a specific cluster for everybody who wants to spend, I don't know, four hours of Spark time or Hive queries. Well, I don't know. Well, anyway, apart from that, what have I been doing? Uh, you, you mentioned NiFi. I've been talking to a transport company here in uh, the region who's trying to put NiFi everywhere on their moving vehicles. And then when they come into the station, they offload their data. So that's uh, nothing concrete yet, but that looks like it's going to be a fun engagement. Apart from that, just doing the regular big data thing you do every day, I guess. Anything else from you? That's all from me. Well, in that case, let's move on to the next section. After the music, we'll be back and we'll have our episode on Hadoop A Year in Review, the things that we have seen happening in the last 12 months. Welcome back. So now we're here to talk to you about a year in review, um, a bit of Hadoop history of what we've seen happening over the last 12 months, some trends, some interesting technologies, some ups, some downs, and possibly even some round arounds. So, I mean, the thing that I think has, has made most of an impact is the just the broad acceptance of Hadoop um, across multiple different industries, multiple different companies and organizations here in Europe. It, it really does seem to be, um, you know, the year that Hadoop really, uh, you know, started to appeal to the masses. Yeah, definitely in Europe. I mean, in the US has been in front of us a little bit, but where in the beginning of the year we still had conversations about, is this a reliable thing? Is this just a hobby project of somebody Later in this year, we really had conversations that were more about, we know we need this, we just need to know how to make this thing work best for our environment, our situation. So yeah, definitely, we saw that uh, change, that conversation change, uh, change a lot over the year. Yeah, yeah. I, th I think the uh, you're right about the US market being ahead of, of Europe. I, I tend to feel that it's around about 18 months. You know, that that's, seems to be the right sort of level. I think that... Uh, of lag behind sort of US um, for the European market. Yeah, but I do feel it's shrinking. I mean, the US had, of course, their, they were there faster, so they had a lead time, which was a long, lot longer. But Europe, being a little bit behind, is catching up with them. So maybe we're 18 months at the beginning of the year, but I do feel like now we're less than a year behind, really. Interesting. Oh, well, the next year we'll see whether that uh, that gap shrinks even further. Well, we'll see about the bold predictions in, at the end of this section. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Uh, what else have we seen? Do you want to go another one or do I take another one? Uh, you go for it. Um, let's see. Well, with the maturity, of course, we saw a lot more, a bigger shift going from the kind of workloads we're running on it. 
At the beginning, of course, much was batch-oriented, Hive queries mostly storing data. And now, the last few months, it's been more and more shift towards uh, Internet of Things and streaming, real-time events processing, memory analytics. So the kind of workload really changed very drastically as well, I think. Yeah, I, I think it's becoming it's becoming more of the centralized architecture that you know we've been preaching all this time. So I think it's definitely been the the conversation around multiple different workloads, batch, interactive, real time, um, you know, all on the same platform. You know, it feels like it's really it's it's really come home to roost. And of course, the only reason that was possible is because the maturity of the of the whole platform, things like high availability maintainability all the security measures around it got really mature as well this year which allowed people to think further than the simple batch uh, queries they were running at the beginning yeah yeah so just slightly um slightly related topic there is what's been your favorite your favorite change to the the overall platform or the management of platform this uh this year I know. I definitely know what mine is, but I'm curious to see what yours is. Well, favorite and being a lazy person, I'm going towards whatever's making my job easier. And in that case, it's really on bar the way it has grown and started doing a lot more things than it used to be doing. You started out as a simple, well, there's a wizard to install the bare minimum. You wanted more than just install this jar somewhere over there. And if you look at Ambari today, it's doing things from making your name node high available just by clicking a few buttons and cut and pasting some uh, commands. Adding services is easy as well. The, the way it suggests things, you don't need to know what the perfect heap size is anymore. Ambari gives you pretty good uh, suggestions for all those things. So it makes my life a lot easier. And it also makes it easier to explain it to other people when they see a nice interface like this that is really doing everything they need. And then with the added Ambari views that really make it even better, it's going to make my life even easier next year, I hope. Yeah, yeah. So so you, you did definitely picked on the same sort of topic I was thinking about. For me, it was very, very specifically rolling upgrades. I think that as clusters get larger and larger, um, it's it's going to be essential to do things like rolling upgrades of the entire platform you know, minimizing the the downtime and the impact uh, on those environments, and you know, as as more and more use cases start loading in on these things, as the you know the uh, ingest of data becomes uh, pipeline becomes larger and larger, it's going to be very very difficult to take these kind of platforms down for any real length of time. Even scheduled downtime is going to be sort of tricky. So I think rolling upgrades are, you know. A, Definitely, that's been my number one favorite thing, I think, for this year. Yeah, what else have we seen this year? Well, shall I take the elephant in the room? No pun intended. Go for it. Governance. Everybody wants governance these days. What's your view on this? Well, so Atlas uh, Atlas arrived with a lot of fanfare. Um, and, you know, the first couple of phases have rolled out. But it's it's still it's still a little way away from being the be all and end all uh, of uh, of all things governance. I think we'll see. You know, we've already seen some improvement. The sort of adding hooks into Ranger for dynamic policies based on governance tags and that sort of thing. But uh, it it hasn't it hasn't truly delivered the the promise of seamless end to end governance yet. 
I also think that some of that's to do with, uh, you know, the the uh, data governance initiative uh, and the various partners there. You know, their products that are also going to hook into that governance database are also still evolving. So I I, I think it's going to be a I think it probably will get there, but I think it's going to be a longer term play. Yeah, it's definitely not for lack of people being interested in it because every customer, every prospect, every Hadoop enthusiast I talk about governance lineage. It's very high on the agenda, right? Yeah, definitely. It, it needs. To, it's a problem that needs solving, indeed. So, so taking from from one initiative to another, then ODP and the ODPI, as it now is, because uh, you can't have it just called ODP. Um, so, the Open Data Platform Initiative. Um, I, to me, that's kind of almost been the other way around. It started off with a. You know, a, a bit of a small fanfare, I think, really. But really, if you look at the um, you know the number of organisations behind it now, it's very, very impressive. The the sort of the the take up, you know, Pivotal were in there from the very beginning, and you know, have to hats off to Pivotal. They've done a, a great job in you know adopting the ODP standard packages for their distribution since Pivotal HD three and uh, you know going through the whole open sourcing process that I think we're going to mention a bit later. So I think that's been a, that's been a, a really nice success. Yeah, it's definitely grown a lot from the four original founding members. There's now a couple of dozen in, on, on the website, I think. Yeah. And not very small logos either. There's really important companies in there. Now, the, the whole idea for ODP was to have an industry standard base so that development and innovation buzzword uh, would be easier because you know what base you're going to be landing on. You see that that actually worked. I think I think it's still early days for that. Um, so if you, I mean, uh, what I do think is interesting is if you take a look at the um, the logos of, of organisations involved, you've really got a mix of you know the Hadoop vendors like Hortonworks, Pivotal, IBM. You've got uh, systems integrators like uh, I don't know Capgemini. Then you've got you know software vendors like uh, Splunk and SaaS and um, you know VMware, Wandisco, um, and then you've got the kind of the platform vendors as well like sort of Toshiba, Linaro, um, and and then a mix of uh, sort of customers as well with you know people like CenturyLink and so it's it's one of these sort of areas where. As the as the products develop, and as they start to build more and more of a critical mass, I think you'll see things like product certifications on ODP-based platforms outstripping the progress of um, certifications on any other platform. But I I still think that it's early days for that. I still think that that needs time to bake in, new versions to come out, the ODP to to develop a bit further but i think it's made a very very promising start yeah i think i agree because when i talk to people in hadoop world having this odp out there it might not be super important but it's very nice it's there because it does it grounds it a bit right uh, the one thing i do have a question about is at the moment odp only has a couple of components in there it's uh, basically hdfs ambari and yarn if i'm not mistaken do you think, uh, for me, it should grow? I mean, it's good they started small. If you have to have a bunch of people agreeing on something, going too big from the start will always slow you down. So having a small amount of components to start off, perfect. But I do feel like it should grow to more, to like 
things like Spark, for example, is not really a, an end product, but also more of a, a framework which you can use to build products upon. So I would like to see things like from that level, not specifically Spark perhaps, but from that level of uh, software project be included there. Of course, now that the number of uh, members is growing, getting that consensus is going to be harder and harder. So what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, it, it's funny you mentioned Spark, actually, because uh, obviously that's going to be the topic of our very next um, podcast. Spoilers. But, <laughs> spoiler alert. Um, but uh, I, I think actually Spark, I think, is one of the natural fit additions just because it's uh, it's so prevalent. I mean, you literally cannot step outside your door without hearing somebody talking about Spark. Um, you can't even open your eyes without somebody talking about Spark. So uh, I think Spark is probably a natural fit next uh, next component edition. But, uh, yeah, I would like to see the ODPI scope grow. I think, you know, adding more components to it, making it richer, um, and, you know, it, it gives it more value and more impact. So, yeah, I think that would be a, that would be a really nice, uh, nice addition if we start to see, you know, a Ranger maybe, or um, certainly Spark, I think, is a good candidate. Yeah, things like security and governance, which is, again, having those in, as a common ground as well would be good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, time is ticking on, so what else have we seen uh, in the last year? Uh, I've got some notes prepared a little bit for this one. <laughs> so I did note down that most of the big uh, cloud providers, uh, Azure, Amazon, Google, have also taken steps to adapt their platform a bit to accommodate big data things. You have uh, Amazon making the big data instances, you have Azure having data lake storage and Google Cloud also having some kind of storage and the name escapes me now. So that's also been a nice uh, change in uh, how public clouds were able to support big data. Yeah, so I think the, it's it's just been the the ever-growing impact of Hadoop everywhere. I and mean, it's just, uh, it's been... Yes, the acceptance of Hadoop that also pushes them forward. I mean, it's a nice pull-and-push uh, model that way, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, and with um, Google Cloud now offering offering DataProc, you know they've got their um, Spark and Hadoop as a service offering. Um, you know, similar to uh, HD Insight. So yeah, I, I think we're we're going to see, um, and obviously Amazon have had their solution for it there for a little while now with uh, AMR. So yeah, it's it's just the the continued onward and upward growth of uh, of the Hadoop platform. And the only negative thing I see there is that a lot of these cloud guys, they kind of present specific solutions for specific needs and don't have a cohesive data lake, for lack of a better word, behind it. If you go to the EMR side, you want an SQL database, you're going to use, uh, what's it called again? I forget Redshift. the name. Uh, Redshift, yeah. And if you want uh, NoSQL, you go into DynamoDB. So they're all making the separate clusters again where the whole idea behind uh, Hadoop is to have one big melting pot of data to get those insights and advanced analytics and whatever you want to call it uh, out of there. So they ha on the one hand, they're moving ahead, embracing big data, but they are still keeping a lot of the old traditional way of doing things in there. Yeah, I I, I tend to view it as a blend of things. Um, you know, they're, yes, they are... Uh, moving ahead a little bit with the old way of doing things but then they're also deploying a lot of these things as really you know truly scale out services so it's it's the same sort of thing as it used to be but different 
So other things we've seen, there's a couple of uh, purely technical things, of course. We've seen Hive uh, getting very, very much faster than before from the 20 minute queries up to 20 second queries using cost-based optimization, org files, vectorization, all that fun and good stuff. We had uh, encryption coming to HDFS for encryption at rest. That was a new one. You have any idea? Any others? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So one of the things that uh, happened during this year actually was the um, move for org file uh, compression to improve fairly significantly. So I, you know, looking back at the start of the year, um, Snappy was always the uh, the recommendation if you wanted uh, a level of compression that would give you you know still reasonable performance but you know and an average level of compression whereas now apparently um since uh, adding zlib uh, native library support that's actually got uh, a performance level pretty much uh, pretty similar to snappy in terms of uh, the performance but actually due to the reduced amount of io you need um and the significant addition of compression you can get significantly better compression uh, on your data so same performance Better compression, it's got to be a good thing, right? Yeah, interesting, but you do mention uh, com- compared to the I.O. you need, so this is valid for larger data sets then, or is it a size and, uh, irrelevant? No, size irrelevant. So it basically because it compresses the data better, there's uh, less I.O. required. Yeah, nice. I didn't know that one. Thank you. You're welcome. What else we got? Uh, NiFi. NiFi's got to be in in the list of interesting, exciting things that have happened this year. Um, It's interesting for lots of reasons, I think. It's interesting because, honestly, I I had no idea about it before, um, really before the acquisition. It's not something I'd heard of or dealt anything with. Um, Although it does turn out that I... I knew one of, uh, or I know one of the uh, one of Europe's leading experts on uh, on NiFi, um, who had been using it. Um, let's just say before it was open sourced. So that was uh, that was pretty interesting. Um, but it's just uh, it's just a great little project. I I, I think it's, uh, it's it seems really quite mature, and I think uh, the 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 prospects for it are really quite exciting. I'm really looking forward to seeing what. Next year has planned for it as as we start you know deploying it at some fairly significant scale. Yeah, I definitely feel like we just barely scratched the surface on that one. We're still figuring out what this thing is capable of at this point, and it is the newest old thing out there, isn't it? Because <laughs> it's definitely. what it's uh, eight years old now. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's practically as old as Hadoop. What else? Mm. Oh, let's talk about Spark. Spark's changed a lot, of course. At the beginning of this year, Spark had a bit of a downturn, I found. It wasn't really moving very quickly anymore, but since the first couple of months of the year, they really accelerated their, their, their release schedule. And if you look at the last three or four months, they had one release after the other coming out. And actually becoming, uh, as you said before, ubiquitous, ubiqu- what's the word, ubiquitous? Yeah. Ubiquitous across uh, Hadoop installations these days. You can't see a Hadoop cluster without it anymore. And it's actually so good, uh, or so prevalent now that other projects like Mahout have reinve- have seen the need to reinvent themselves. I think they've seen the need to a kind of a, to become a kind of a layered product on top of uh, Spark. So Spark really poised to become the the heavyweight in the machine learning, modeling, uh, memory analytics world. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like a lot of these technologies. The uh, the evolution there has has been quite you know, quite impressive. 
So uh, I think uh, I think we'll continue to see a lot of innovation and progress there. Um, it's just going to be it's for me. It's about keeping that balance of um, making sure that certain things stabilize enough so that people can actually spend some time using them rather than you know continually evolving um, and re-evolving the the same things again and again. So we'll see. Really, it, it's been uh, this year has been the year of open source. I think if you look at uh, the 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 movement that's happened with uh, things like Hawk um, moving into the Apache Software Foundation, um, Cloudera putting their Impala and, and Kudu into Apache products um, projects. Uh, it's been a it's been a real turnaround for some of these projects that have been sort of open source but not open community. And uh, yeah, I think it's a recognition that true open source open community is the right way to go. So it's been uh, it's been good. It's been very good. Yeah, it's been a real validation for the Apache model, I guess. The Apache has always been important for their Perl, Apache, Python stack, or whatever it was called. But they're really branching out as well. There's a lot of stuff in there at the moment, and more stuff being added all the time. Apart from Hawk, they've also put uh, Greenplum in there. They're all incubating still, so they still need to do some work to become a real Apache member there. But it's definitely good for everybody, because it gives people more choice. And all of these projects have their own pros and cons. Nothing is perfect for everything. And just being able to choose the component you need, as long as it fits in the whole security, multi-tenant cluster you have, it's uh, always good to have more choice. And open source is brilliant for that. Absolutely agree. Yeah. So for the last part of this thing, I thought it was a good idea if we just if we would do some bold predictions, just put something out there which we might see happening next year, but nothing that predictive that you're really sure that's going to happen. Of course. So you happy you to do that? I'm absolutely happy to do that. Shall I start then? Go for it. My first bold prediction, and this one is, well, not that bold perhaps. I've got three predictions on paper here, so let's start with the least least, uh, outrageous one first. I predict that Atlas, the whole governance thing, isn't going to be the start of the year yet. Next year is going to see improvements, but I don't really see it going to take prime time limelight in 2016. Mm. I think I think you're probably right. I wish it wasn't the case, though. I wish yeah. I, I wish it would speed up. I wish uh, development progress would uh, would uh, would massively increase. But you know, we still may end up being surprised. There there might be might be something uh, you know a, a big push on that, and uh, I certainly hope so. But at the moment, the pace things are going, I, I think you're probably right. Yeah, definitely. These are predictions, not wishful thinking. <laughs> <laughs> so my my big bold prediction is is NiFi will rule all ingest. I think NiFi will start to replace a lot of the various different ingest pipelines that people have kind of nailed together over the years. Um, as, even those that people were kind of putting in place this year, I think people will start to see the benefits of NiFi and will start to uh, implement those uh, or re-implement those in NiFi just because the benefits are huge. Being able to really seriously track what's happening to your data as it goes through different parts of the pipeline, um, the the level of interaction, visibility you get from it, it's it's unlike anything else. If you look at uh, trying to debug you know, something that's happening in Flume, um, you get very frustrated very quickly. Um, you know, NiFi is a, a world away from that. So my prediction is is NiFi will rule all. 
Well, considering we still haven't seen the depth that Knife can go, I do see it as a bold prediction, but uh, it would be nice if it happened. So I do like the way they do things. Okay, a second prediction from me. I boldly predict that Spark SQL will become a serious contender for other in-memory SQL engines like Hawk and Impala. At this moment, Spark SQL is still infant-like, still needs a lot of work, but I see how fast Spark is growing and I see them becoming a serious contender or even replacer of other in-memory SQL engines. Yeah, I think the, the onwards and upwards rise of Spark can only continue to sweep Spark SQL uh, along with it. I, it has still got a long way to go, I think, in terms of uh, SQL semantics. But, you know, everybody everybody wants it, everybody's using it. Yeah, I think that's a, a, that's probably one of the safer bold predictions. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I'm assuming that the other guys, the Hawks and Impulse, are also going to improve. So it's going to be a race who improves the fastest. Huh? Indeed, indeed. And now they're all open source, they all have the same advantage. Yeah, yeah. Spark seems to have the mind share, though. That's, that's, the, that's the big advantage they've got. Very true. So, final big bold prediction. Um, I'm going to steal your last big bold prediction, which no, is... No, Yeah, I am, I am. Look, I'm stealing it right now. IBM drops its proprietary Hadoop distribution, as does Pivotal. Well, Pivotal's pretty much already done that. Um, and, yeah, you uh, see, you have to read my prediction correctly. I said not and, and then the specible, I say, and does a Pivotal. And does a Pivotal. Using HTTP, <laughs> but they're not using HTTP. They're using ODP compliant packages, which happen to be based off of HTTP. So it's subtly different. Yes, you're right there. But the bold prediction there being that IBM sees that their values in their analytic suite on top of it, and this whole mess of maintaining their own Hadoop proprietary or half proprietary or ODP based, whatever it is, uh, Hadoop stack, it's not what they want to do, I think. They want to use these big analytic tools. That's where their expertise lies. And just having the common ODP base should be good enough for them if it's good enough for Pivotal. <laughs> yep, I think you're right. I think you're right. And I think that would be a, a good step forward for, for the whole market. So that's our quick year in review. A couple of bold predictions for 2016. Uh, let's, let's revisit those in a year's time and, and see actually what happened. And see if we were uh, reading the tea leaves correctly or whether we are just crazy. That's all for the second section. Coming back after the break with questions from the audience. Stay tuned. Welcome back. In the last section of the podcast, as usual, we answer questions received from you, our listeners. If you have a question you would like us to answer on the podcast, please send email to podcast at roaringelephant.org, use our Hadoopcast Twitter handle, or go to our website, www.roaringelephant.org, where you can find more information on the podcast and also a contact form for submitting questions. So, looking at the questions we have for this week, only pick three. And the first question is, much related to this episode, really, what new projects uh, in the Hadoop ecosystem should I invest time in today knowing that they might not make it in any distribution soon? What do you think? Uh, so, honestly, um, my answer to this is probably none of them. Um, if you 
if there's a, a project out there that really scratches an itch that you're looking to satisfy, then then sure, go ahead. Um, and you know, as speaking from a Hortonworks perspective, we'll try and help you as best as we can. But it really is best efforts. If it's not part of the distribution we ship, there's there's not so much we can do. That being said, there's some very interesting projects out there. Um, you just need to be prepared that, you know, as you say, they may not make it, and therefore you may need to uh, do some self-supporting or build that community yourself. Yeah, as you say, it's a, a support question, right? If you don't require support and are willing to do everything yourself, then hey, go at it. Take whatever you need and uh, have fun with it. On the other hand, if you're expected to be in a in a uh, distribution with uh, security all hammered out, governance in there as well, uh, based on yarn and multi-tenant compliant and everything, then well, you're better off just waiting until to see until you see what the industry as a whole accepts as the bright new kids to take into the family. I guess. Yep. Okay. Next question for you. Okay. So another question that uh, I hear a lot is uh, people that have started looking into NiFi, and they're sort of curious as to whether or not they can use it to replace Flume. What What do you think to that? Well, it's a good question. I think I see the meaning behind the question. But if I get a question to replace Flume with NiFi, I say no. Because if Flume can do whatever you need, it's a lot simpler than NiFi. Now the big if there is, does Flume really do everything you want to do? Because basically a lot of people use Flume because it's simple and then live the limitations of it. Going from Flume to Kafka is a huge resource uh, sink, if you like, and... Kafka has more capabilities, but is definitely not as flexible as NiFi can be. So if you're thinking of replacing Flume with something else, then I would definitely say, yeah, look at NiFi, certainly. But do make sure you're not, I don't know, killing a whale to get a little bone. I mean, make sure it's in proportion to whatever you need. Okay, my answer is much shorter. Yes, yes, do it. <laughs> do it, do it now. Especially so since the 040 release of NiFi, it includes the um, the tail file option. Uh, that's that's just a it's a perfect replacement. Yeah, go for it. Go do it now. Ignore ignore what Jan says. Do it now. Do it today. Yeah, ignore me unless stealing my bold predictions, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay, last question for the day. And I think it's a hot one. When I want to introduce Hadoop in my organization, should I go for an appliance or not? Appliance, of course, being a black box sold by certain vendors containing Hadoop plus some extra tools as a black box where you don't have any control or flexibility. So, if I were to answer this question, uh, the answer, like a lot of good technology questions, and this comes up again and again, is it depends. I don't think this is a technology question, actually. I think this is a business question. I think it's a question of how familiar is your organization with Hadoop? How familiar are your people with Hadoop? Do you want to spend time learning how to stand up clusters and all that sort of stuff? Or do you want to spend time working out to see if you can get value out of Hadoop um, as a platform? I see a lot of people going for the appliance uh, option, first of all to actually you know, get their feet wet with Hadoop, start understanding what it can deliver to the business. And you know, maybe they decide that it's useful, it's beneficial, and that they can get value out of it, in which case maybe they then look at uh, the, um, the non-appliance route later on. But I think it makes a lot of sense 
if you don't necessarily have a lot of Hadoop skills, you want to get up and running really quickly and uh, and you know you have a major partner or SI that offers that uh, particular appliance. Yeah, that's definitely the major reason why people go for appliances, the ease of introduction into the environment. But my doubt about that, and to be strict, I think you shouldn't go for an appliance because you will have to learn how this thing works anyway. Using Hadoop as a black box, if you're doing Spark on top, you still need to know a bit of how the underlying stuff functions to make it really perform well. So if you're going for an appliance, it's always going to be a first step to be replaced by something entirely different. And you're going to have to do that resourcing of people and skills at some point anyway. So why delay your acceptance of Hadoop as a core structure in your organization by going the Hadoop way first? You're only tying your hands with, I don't know, with silk ropes perhaps, but still you lose the flexibility. And sometimes people expect magic from these appliances and they can't deliver that. No appliance delivers magic. You still need to know what it does and you hit the walls very quickly in my opinion. I want a magic appliance and I want one now. You should have put it in the bold predictions, man. <laughs> you didn't, so wait another year. <laughs> well, I guess I kind of disagree with you on that, but I think that's okay too. It's good to be wrong. <laughs> well, you should know. Okay, that's about all we have time for today. I hope you enjoyed this Roaring Elephant podcast, the final podcast for 2015. Uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks' time with a brand new episode for you to listen to where we'll be having introductory discussions on Spark. Yes, we're finally going into the technical, so uh, stay tuned for that. But until then, please go to www.roaringelephant.org, where you can find more information about the podcast, about us, and listen to older podcasts. Also, we're absolutely certain that you have interesting questions, so please go to the website www.roaringelephant.org and submit your questions about Hadoop and Big Data. We'll be happy to discuss them in upcoming episodes. My name is Dave. And my name is John. And we look forward to speaking to you in two weeks' time. Take care. Have a great time. Thank you.